We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed. And I'm your host, John. And we got another great episode, this time with uh, Joe Seaman. He was a colleague of mine when I worked in my previous employer. He was uh, a manager there. And he shares a lot of similar ideas with me, Ahmed. And I just think it's a good episode because we kind of go over workplace balance, the environment, uh, the respect and the priorities of employers. And I think it's really great because it offers a perspective from the generation above us. So it's not yeah. just some kids being ungrateful for their current situation that, you know, some people may think. And no, I think it's a really collaborative environment and good stuff was said. Yeah. And um, like, at, like, as we usually do, like we, we talk a lot about our own experiences and hopefully like that could resonate with some of you and, how like I don't know I don't know if you're working or not but once once you are at that age when you are working whether it's for someone else or for yourself um, I think it's important to just always remember that you're you're not a machine you're not part of a machine you are a human being and companies are run by human beings so um, I don't know it was it was a fun one uh, maybe a little less serious than some of our other episodes but definitely a good time. So, yeah, I, I agree. But let's dive in and we could just uh, get right into it. Yeah, let's do it. We're super excited to uh, announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement. And it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. All right, Joe, thank you for coming on, taking the time to meet with us. Do you want to just introduce yourself real quick? Uh, yeah, my name is Joe Seaman. I know John from working together at uh, Data Device Corp. And I uh, just want to say you guys are doing great work. I love the podcast. been listening thank to you. it. I think you guys are touching on some thank great you. topics uh, and, and really important stuff. And I appreciate all of it. Thank really you. appreciate that. Yeah, no, I think this will be a good one just because now we have a little bit of a differing perspective. Um, yeah, I guess we can just pick up where we were talking. Yeah, um, right before we started recording, we were talking about um, how we think that companies now treat employees like machines and evaluate you almost solely on your output rather than like a human, rather than, wow, rather, wow. Rather than being a person? Yeah. Because well, I feel like when you think about it, if you take someone like if you look at them for all that they are, people have other strengths and other weaknesses. Like some person is a really good speaker or could, you know, certain managers are more supportive than others. And we need to realize those strengths as well. Yeah. And not just how much work you can get done or your KPIs or. Yeah, exactly. And I was getting into, so I come from a different perspective. I'm older than these guys and, uh, you know, I'm just shedding light on, what the workplace was like beforehand and that it wasn't always like this. There, there were workplaces where people cared more about each other in terms of their life, their family life, what their outside interests were. You knew your coworkers, you cared about your coworkers. It wasn't just someone that you saw at work who did this role, filled this role. 
um, and, and churned out this level of productivity. And when you have those type of relationships with your coworkers, you just form more cohesive teams and you care about each other more. And in my opinion, you're able to accomplish so much more. So what I've been seeing lately is now as these big corporations come and buy up all of smaller these companies, yeah. smaller companies that were privately owned in the past, now you see all that go out the window. You see all of those like relationship building efforts from the company go away. And now you're just looked at as what do you produce for the corporation? Are you even worth it for us to keep on board anymore? Yeah. Or yeah. do we just let you go? Not even factoring in that you're a human being with a life with and a family. family and responsibilities and financial burdens to just let you go because, well, you're not making money for the bottom yeah, line of the corporation yeah. anymore. So we just let you go. And I just want to kind of shed light on this. Cause I feel like you guys are coming into the workplace at a, at a really weird time. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't want it to become just a given that that's how work is done. And when that's did how it change, I guess. Like, so when did they go from, was it really there, this period of time where all these larger corporations were buying up smaller ones, or was it also a shift in just how we went about things or from, from my perspective, it's kind of been, it's like the dominoes have been falling over the past 20, 25 years. Yeah. In the beginning, I would find a job with a small family owned company sooner or later the owner is starting to age out and he's looking, he or she's looking to, to sell out and to sell out make the benefits and of all the work. Exactly. So a lot of times that there are these companies yeah. that are set up where they have a succession plan. They want to hand it off to, to a family member, but a lot of times that's not the case. And they've put all of their effort into this company. They built it up to something real substantial and they want to cash it out. Yeah. But what happens? The, the workers who were there, who have been there, they don't have that type of capital saved up that they can buy this company and keep it for themselves. So what do they do? They have to sell it out to a big corporation. So now these big corporations or these holding companies, which own a lot of different companies, are swooping in, buying up all these family-run or small businesses and turning into these huge conglomerates. Just like we see it at DDC where it got bought out by Transdon. And now you see the things that start to change very slowly. Initially, it's like, oh, don't worry. Nothing's going to change. Transdon's not going to change anything. It'll be the same with DDC. But slowly, you start to see those benefits go away. You start to see those those things that show that you're valued to the company. They start to go away, Mm -hmm. and they never come back. And that's what I want you guys to understand. It's like it wasn't always like that. So now when you come into the workforce and you see it that way and just accept that this is the given, this is how it is, you have to say, no, like there is a better way. It was done a better way in the past. How do we get back to that? Well, yeah, the how is different. Yeah. You're dealing with like things that are larger than just one person. So making that impact has to be. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, it's just like, let's raise that level of awareness first. And then we figure out the if how. If everyone's that, having that conversation and we're all not demanding, but, you know, requiring some certain level of respect or whatever you want to refer to it as then yeah i think yeah instead of just having this like this just being resigned to the fact like well well this is how it is um yeah just just not ever like coming to that conclusion like always well the amount of times i think i've been told that this is just the way things are and it's like but i don't want them to be yeah. so i don't want to go my whole life being like damn this kind of sucks <laughs> yeah 
I have I have a, spe- a question specific for DDC. I know you were talking about how the company changed like once you guys were bought by like a conglomerate or a larger company, but how did it change? Like what did you guys lose and what did like what did you guys gain anything from it? I'll let you answer that first. You were probably uh, closer to yeah. that transition than I was. I mean I came on in 2019, spring of 2019, and they had gotten bought in 20, like a year or two before that. So Mm -hmm. not much had changed, but throughout my time there, I basically just saw an evolution from everyone was showing up to work happy with a smile on their face. Everyone got their work done. We were meeting, you know, expectations no one was getting, you know, overloaded and run down. And I basically just slowly saw an evolution to everyone around me was not having those chats in the cubicles next to each other. Like they always did. Like that was a daily thing that I did with all the younger guys at DDC and I really enjoyed. But then it got to the point where we would just text each other in the middle of the day. Like, how are you guys doing? And we'd all be like, just drowning, man, like too much work. So when it gets to that point, you know, morale just quickly drops. And then you see some people leave that, you thought would never leave because they're like a vital point of the company. And then it's kind of just a domino effect yeah. at that point. Right. Yeah. I, uh, if you agree. I, I can't say that I saw that transition firsthand at DDC. I kind of came on after Transdown was already established. Um, and it definitely was sold to me when I was interviewing, when I was looking to come on board. It was the DDC that DDC was. Yeah. Oh yeah. The DDC, it's, it's Transdown. They're very hands off. They don't get involved in much. And and I'll agree with that. It's would, not that uh, yeah. Transdime is really involved in, in actually what we're doing there that closely, but it just changes the whole culture, the whole culture. Of the well, because it's a top-down thing. So, like, yes, while they're not directly affecting me or individual contributors or lower-level management, I feel like their ideas and what they want to drive through is still making its way down just... Yeah. And that trickling in is and, indirect. So, yeah. and and that is the same for me. I've been through this a couple of times, and it's the same every step of the way. That it's just revenue. It's just meet our revenue goals. You have to hit your revenue goals yeah. at the end of the month, end of the quarter, end of year. Every just revenue, revenue, revenue. That's Nothing else. Yeah. You never hear anything else in terms of what our goals that's, that's are. We never thing, talk yeah. about any other goals that we have as an organization except to meet our revenue goals. That's it. You know, one thing, one thing I'm realizing at my company right now. Yours has also been a huge company for a long time, so I guess that is my my company. The thing is that like Estee Lauder, right? So it's there was this woman Esther. She married a guy Joseph Lauder, named the company after themselves and everything. It was cool, cute, all of that. A little family-run company, and they still they (laughs) always try to push their family culture like so so hard like they almost it's almost like overbearing how much they talk about it do you see the family culture or you just hear it being talked about i think the culture is probably estee lauder's strongest point because despite all like the marketing and all the all that language like you do feel it like you do feel like my manager is like a great guy. Like I could, I texted him on a Sunday. I was like, yo, I can't do this. I have to, I have to, um, take my cat to the vet. I'm not going to be there. Can you cover for me? And he was like, yeah, no problem. So like you feel, I feel like there is that level of connection, 
but like I remember when I first got my offer during during school, I was like, "All right, so time to negotiate, right?" Like some dollars and cents. Like I was, I got excited, and I was like, "This is like my first like full time job." Like, and I was like, "Yo, so like I did a double major. Like, does that count for anything?" But like obviously, trying to talk myself up a little bit, and they're using what you can as leverage. Like we're. All you have is college and an yeah. internship or two. It's not like you have anything. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no, we don't negotiate. And I was like, what do you mean you That's don't negotiate? But like, I've, what from what I've heard, like at every level, people feel like they're not paid enough. And recently, like we, like my, my team was hybrid. Like we'd only go to the office if we physically needed to be there for something. So it could be like one, two days a week. It could be three or four. It depends on the week. And then they said, we're going to bring everyone back four days a week. Um, core hours are nine to four. And I like the amount of people that have left the company in the past couple of weeks is insane. Like the person who sits in front of me left a few weeks ago. And the girl who sits right next to me told me yesterday, she's like, hey, I'm taking it. I'm like next Friday is my last day. And I'm like. I'm like on my way out. So I was like, so is that mostly from going to the, from a hybrid or work from home I, I, back to in the office? I think so. Just because like they introduced this flexibility, right? And through the past two years, we've proven this works. We could work from home. We'll be just as effective. Our stock price has gone up and they're like, no, we need to bring everyone back in for like, culture and collaboration it's I, like, I, I don't I want to be there four days a week like i i started there during covid so this is all i've known and i i like working from home there's so many advantages to it for me spe- like specifically and they just like took it away so i, I think this brings up a good point yeah. again to what these larger corporations miss and that I, I think that we could do at DDC, but we don't because we have this, this corporate hierarchy that instead of rolling out these broad plans and say, yeah. OK, everyone back to the office. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you hate it. Yeah. You're just coming back to the office instead of. Hey, John, do you want to work from? Do you yeah. feel like you work better from home? Do you want to come up with what works best for you? And let's support that. I, I mean, the- what works best for you? And let's support that. Yeah. Bottom line, I think, is just can you be effective? And then if you can, I will give you the freedom until I feel like you're no longer being effective. And then I'll have a conversation with you at that point. Yeah. If, yeah. if you can be enjoying yourself the most while also being effective, one, or I guess a side point is that you probably will be more effective while you're happy, which people don't understand that. It's like if you give someone all the tools that they want and you make sure that they're satisfied in their position instead of just trying to enforce rules on them. They're actually going to give you more. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, Not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about 
making your podcast experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash blackbox, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could be like a first, first hand <laughs> point on this. Um, hopefully, no one from. Hopefully, my boss doesn't hear this. I don't think he would care though. Ever since I've mentally and emotionally decided that I need to leave my company and leave my industry just for better compensation, a better job, like something I'm actually interested in, like not my my quality of work hasn't gone down. But the amount of effort I put into work has substantially gone down. Like, like I just, I just, like I don't care because, like, I know, I know that regardless of the result, I will, I'll be okay. Like, I don't, I don't have that much stake in this. Like, this is owned by some like mega billionaire. Like, I don't care if he loses money or she loses money. Doesn't affect where. Where is your passion coming from? Where is that motivation coming from? And for me, managing a team where I have to build those connections, where I, I don't have the ability to just flat out give someone a raise that needs mm-hmm. to be approved by someone else, but oh, it's still yeah, my job yeah. to motivate. But now when you recognize those other things, there are so many other ways to motivate someone and that workplace flexibility is a huge motivator. Yeah. So yeah. now it's like, I can make you happy. I can make you more engaged. I can make you more passionate about what you do, not by throwing more money at you that I don't have, but by giving you that flexibility, finding yeah. what works best for you, and then getting that extra engagement, getting that extra passion and motivation out of you that way. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like when you have these corporations that are so, they roll out these broad policies and there's no leeway, there's no flexibility, they're missing out on this opportunity be a conversation of finding yeah. different avenues everyone likes to motivate. Something different. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has different things that drive them and more or less on other things as well. And something that, that I think um, is, is really weird is I feel like money is kind of the best way to incentivize someone to do work, right? At least like a sh- to get a short term reaction you know like it's the best way to get someone to show up to work (laughs) and then once someone is at work what's the best way to get them driven and passionate that i I think it's more about like tapping into their passion like you can give me money and i'll show up at the office every day yeah but you can't like that money isn't creating the passion something else needs to create that passion yeah i think i think you know how i feel like now when you get an offer or whenever you discuss like like anything uh, monetary with a company it's like you have like your base salary other forms of compensation and then your bonus right and they tell you your bonus before before you even perform so it's like like something for me it's like oh. my bonus is x but it's like you already know no matter how well you perform this is the reward the financial reward you will get for your efforts right so you could be average in every way and just get that number or you could be slightly above average and get or a great and get slightly above that number but i feel like my position now does performance based which i feel feel like like performance based should be the standard i don't think like you shouldn't be like oh yeah you're gonna get like approximately this amount this year regardless how well you perform yeah i think like a 
a base raise with a possibility of also a performance addition to your raise on top of it, like not just separate from the bonus is also a good idea. Yeah. Like that, like I'm passionate enough now, but I'm, I bet, you know, six months from now, a year from now, when a day I wake up and I don't really have it, the motivation, I'll think about the bonus and I'll think about, you know, let me just give the best effort I can today. It's not that hard, but sometimes it's just a mental thing. Like you need to find that thing in your head that's going to get you to, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, for me, it all comes down to just everyone involved in the organization sharing at least somewhat equitably in terms of the the fruits of our labor. Like profit sharing? Yes. That's part of it. There are different ways to do it. Profit sharing definitely be one of them. But for me, it sucks away my motivation when my compensation is capped. Yeah. I have my salary. I have no chance of getting a bonus. I have no chance of getting a huge raise. Commission or anything like so that. Not like, that your our positions can really entail that, but something. Yeah. yeah. But the more work I put in that benefits the company, it definitely is financially benefiting someone. But not you. But not me. <laughs> so so then what? Welcome to corporate America. Exactly. Realistically, exactly. at the end of the day, what's getting you to do more than just knowing that you're stuffing someone else's pocket? Yeah. Like that not doing nothing so i've had <laughs> managers that, that yeah. play it both ways some of them will you know hold that uh the reward oh well you do this and you're in line of promotion and you're on this path and then other ones play the harder line and like well you don't do this well then, then, then we don't need you here yeah so it's like but either one of those for me neither one of those really do it neither one of those tap into like what can make me like really driven and really passionate about my work and, and not to say that just, yeah. you know, extra compensation would do that. I mean, it helps, but it, like we said before, it's not what's driving the passion. It's, yeah. If and, you are giving me freedom and ability to like, we're engineers, we earned a degree by showing that we're like a creative thinker and an analytic thinker. Yeah. Why now say that I need to work within this box? Like the entire purpose of my degree was to think outside the box and try new things and trial and error and fix things. So then I feel like wouldn't that's the type of environment you need to give to your engineers. I'm not saying that that was, was or wasn't MDDC or my current position, but I'm just speaking generally now. I think younger companies and like startups in general kind of embrace that like older way of working mm -hmm. that you were talking about earlier when, because like when you have like a smaller group of people, right. And you don't have to, appease like stockholders and all of that i feel like it your your uh priorities are so different like you're not you're not as much worried about the guy who owns 20 percent of your company and like could dip if for whatever reason you don't make as much money as you're expected to make but rather like how can we make this company as successful as possible not just financially but in terms of our people, in terms of our presence and all of that. Well, I also feel like because you're so early, especially at the startup environment, like that's the company I'm at now, mm -hmm. you feel connected to the product, which is a huge thing in my opinion. Like I wake up and I'm doing work and I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm actually like I set up Apple Pay for part of our product that we offer. Like now I'm the reason that there's Apple Pay on all these sites that get that work with our technology when before you know, and that was just in a, a couple of days of work. I already got had a huge impact.
So you feel like you have more of a stake in what's being oh, accomplished. Definitely. Yeah. And every day is also, they give me the freedom, like me being a technical support engineer, I'm basically just finding problems, troubleshooting them, figuring out solutions if I can, and then communicating with the developers. So they basically just give me freedom to use our tools to find problems and experiment with things. And I feel like that's something that someone who enjoys web development, but an engineer in general, that's like a dreamland for them. You know? Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. How has your satisfaction with your positions changed throughout the years? Me? I will say that DDC has given me an opportunity that I love. The, yeah, the ability to, to, to manage that. a team. Um, I've never had that before. I've, I've been a, a mechanical engineer um, for almost 20 years before coming to DDC. Uh, I was content doing it, but I was also the type. And I think I went into engineering based on both... I like to solve problems, but also I'm very much an introvert. I'm very much just like, give me a problem and then leave me alone and let yeah. me solve it. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of drove me to engineering. It was just a perfect fit for me. I could just sit at my computer, work on my problems, figure it out, not be bothered by other people and do it. And now DDC has given me an opportunity to kind of expand on that and yeah. to manage a team. And I'm finding that is where now I'm finding the passion to, to come to work because I feel like now my job is not only what I do for myself, but I feel like I, I can impact other people's yeah. lives. I can help my other team members out, help grow grow their careers, help improve their lives in some small way. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I feel now driven about and passionate about and, and what gets me going. And um, yeah, and, and so I will say anything negative I say about DDC, it's it's um it, it does balance out Small because they, they've yeah. given they've given me this opportunity which i i'm very grateful for i've worked with some amazing yeah. people um and and we have such potential there and that's really yeah. it's anything that i say negatively it's not complaining it's just seeing the opportunity like I, I would say my feelings now that i'm looking back on it i'm not in the moment and as maybe upset it's just more disappointment and i felt like I wasn't going to do anything in the short term that could fix how I'm feeling. So I, that's why I seek other opportunities. But, you know, they put me in a position to be in a leadership role and I'm only two years into being an engineer. So I'm grateful for that. And I definitely understand where you said the passion that comes in with being able to, you know, look out for other people and help them and yeah. drive them to a common goal. When I changed positions, people were questioning, but because of the team I was working with, that was the complete opposite. That was my favorite part of the job. Yeah. I loved working with them and, you know, doing what I could to help and developing that relationship. Cause I'll still even speak to them now. We have, we made a group chat and definitely feel like that's something I'd want to do. See, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Cause kind of what we were going back to before, I don't want you guys like now being brought into this new corporate culture yeah. to get jaded by that and to now have your values, uh, I guess swayed by I that just, mentality. So to hear, yeah. so to hear you say like how important it is for you to work with people and to better your coworkers' yeah. lives, it's so important and it's really encouraging for me to to hear to know that you guys aren't jaded by the world that you've been given. Yeah, yeah. I think I think something I've thought about probably maybe a little bit too early. Um, I know that 
like when my when my time at SA Lauder comes to an end, right? I know I'm gonna have to do an exit interview, and they're gonna want to know why I wanted to leave and everything. And I it it may look bad on my manager and on my team because someone else had left pre like not that long ago. The girl that sits next to me, she's like sort of on my team, but not really. She's leaving. Like there are a lot of people from my department and from my team leaving. So I feel like people may assume that it's because of the team or because of like my manager or the people I work directly with. But like, that's the best or my favorite part of my job right now. That's the only thing that makes me not resent my job because I like, I like the general work I do and I like the people I work with. I just, I'm not something else. Yeah. Like I just, I, I want more. I want to be able to do more. And I feel like I'm just so limited in my job. And I work with, like, I make mess. I made a mascara yesterday. Like, I don't care about mascara. I don't want to make mascara. And that's mascara. fine. Yeah, and that's nothing wrong against your company either. And I think as long as you clearly communicate that, what you just said, then there should be no problem. I mean, not that there should be a problem anyway, but you're looking for opportunities for the right reason. Yeah. I think and you're trying to do more PM now instead of process. So that could lead you towards like a managerial path at some point. Do you feel like that's something you want to do? Yeah, I think the best, like the best work experience I've had has I managed a summer intern, and that was prob probably my the best three months of working there because I had like I felt like I had a purpose. Like every time I'm, so I'm like notorious for being late to things. Um, <laughs> And that includes work, right? Like nobody keeps track of when I come in or anything, but like I could come in at 830. I probably should. But like most of the time I'll come in like nine, nine, or, or, usually around <laughs> nine. But um, like when I had the intern, I got there at like 815 because I felt like I had I had to be there because I had like I was I had to support her. Right. I was it was my job to do so. So. I feel like once I had that purpose, it made me more excited and more passionate about going to work. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that and bring that back to what we were talking about in the beginning. So that to me sounds like accountability. Like you had accountability to her, like she relied on you. And now let's take us back to what we talked about in the beginning about that more like close knit organization where yeah. you were very like friendly and almost like a family. You, feel like you had that accountability to each other because you cared about each other as human beings, yep. not just as this person sitting in the cube next to me. Who yeah. I don't care about it's having that accountability. Yeah. It's a big part. Of well, it. I feel like, like person to person accountability is probably the strongest, but even with like I was talking about my position now because it's a startup. If I don't do my job for a certain amount of time, the of some portion of the company would not be functioning properly. Yeah. So it's when you have a bigger impact as well, but yeah. usually with the larger companies, you don't get to the point where you feel like you have as large of an impact until you're super high up. Yeah. So it, it very well said. So. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't feel necessarily like accountability. You, you don't feel like you can make a fundamental change to the company right now. Even though Transfer you're, you're a, a multi-billion yeah. dollar corporation. What I do on a day-to-day -day basis is a fraction of that organization. I don't feel accountable to yeah. them whatsoever. I don't feel like I can really make a difference in their life. 
but I do feel accountable one-on-one with the the people on my team, my one-on-one relationships. And I will go the extra mile for them, not for the corporation, because that doesn't matter to me. I can't make a difference. Going that extra mile doesn't benefit me. It it benefits, you know, the CEO or the executive board who making multi-millions of dollars. They don't need that. Who needs my accountability? Who needs me to go the extra mile are my team members, the ones that I have close relationships with. And I will. They ask me to do something, I'll do it. It's not like, oh, that's that's not my job or that's after hours. No, like you you need me, I'll I'll, I'll be there, whatever you need. It's also in the right environment. You'll never or very likely would not have those kind of people that it's not my job or that's out of my pay range. You don't really get to that point until people are like checked out and don't really care. They're just showing up because they want to get paid. Yeah, I feel like um one second. No, go ahead. Uh like when I was an intern and I was really I mean even when I was like in a full-time position, people would ask me to do things that I've never done before or out of my position, you know, requirements. Doesn't matter, I'll still help you out whatever. Every time I would send you an email, it's like you need anything from me, let me know. That's how I am because at the end of the day, we have our jobs to do, but if we all just work together and help each other out, it would be a lot easier. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. sorry. I feel like before before I started working, I underestimated how important your team and the team dynamics are to a job. Like, like when I was younger, right? I would have take I would have taken any job at a good company to work at that good company. But I think now, I'm, like you have to like through, maybe through experience, you realize like a really good team at a company that you maybe didn't immediately think of is probably hundreds of times better than working for a horrible team at your dream company because you will hate you'll hate everything and you'll hate every day of work so i don't know i i feel like a lot a lot of the the changes that we've been talking about with like the working and work culture is that because because like your manager has to report to their manager who has to report to their manager. It's just such a long chain that sometimes like the like human aspects of your team could be put to the side. I also, I wanted to bring back up that point that you're talking about with, uh, you know, the CEOs are making tens of millions and the people in the C-suite are making, you know, seven figures, eight figures. I've, the thing that still mind boggles me every day when I'm, I'm thinking about it, it's like, I forget the exact statistic, but it's like over the past 10 or 15 or 20 years, the CEO like rate of pay has gone up 300% where the median pay has gone up. What single digit percentage is, is there no thought going through people's brains that are higher up? And that sounds disrespectful. I don't mean it to come off that way. <laughs> Another, you know, five million to your salary. Yes, it's, it's moving the needle and making a difference, but spreading that across your company would have would actually put more money in your pocket. I mean, I guess there may be people that are doing that calculation and saying no, it's actually not. But I would hundred percent give away half my salary if I was making ten million to make five, knowing that I'm making sure that none of the people at my company have to struggle. No, they, they'll work better. They'll like if I had a family money. right now on my salary, I couldn't. I don't think I could do it alone on my one salary, and I'm making really good money for my age. So how, how does that make any sense? Yeah, it, exactly. And it, it comes back to before we were talking about about 
drive and motivation. And it's, um, yeah, like, it, <clears throat> so me as, as a manager, yeah. so oh, I need to make investments and find out the best way. Like, you know, yeah. again, we don't have unlimited money. So the, uh, you get the opportunity to, to take, you get a budget and, and now I, I figure out what's how, what's the best way to allocate that money in order to, to get the most. So now looking at someone in, in the corporate suite and knowing our, they have all of these millions of dollars to allocate, invest in the best way in this organization, knowing that we have really talented people who you throw them some extra money, you really get so much more out of them. So now to make that decision and say, nah, you know what, I'm just going to keep it for myself instead of spreading it around, I just feel like it's, it's just poor investing and it's just not maximizing this opportunity that we have. We have this thriving organization with so much money to go around and can, to consolidate it all at the top instead of spreading it out in order to enrich everyone's lives. And in return for that, to get the most motivated, the most passionate, productive workforce that you can. You could also get better employees if you're willing to pay. Just like about you, to say get, that. you get the cream of the, the crop. More, if you're the more to you pay. pay, like if you're known to pay well, you'll get top talent. If you're not known to pay well, you won't get top talent. And it's, it's, I feel like it is that simple. And I, I know Zia talks about this a lot. He's like, Mike, he, so he works. <laughs> he works in a company and he thinks and or he says that him and his like all of his coworkers they could probably get paid more at another company right like all like across the board and i feel like the the companies that pay the most like if you think about like the tech industry just because i feel like we were talking about it earlier like fang the reason everyone wants to work at fang is because they have the probably the most impact on the world you'll get paid the most best work culture all of that sleeping pods yeah they, <laughs> they get the top talent right not the company that wants you to do like just as good of work but will give you half as much money and i just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools the conversation keeps circling back to money even though it's not all about <laughs> money but it, it kind of is all about money because our our country being a capitalist country makes everything rely on you having a job which another point i wanted to say which maybe you're thinking about is the healthcare stuff and like those things that come along with that all that kind of stuff the our country makes you rely on that but then also dangles it over your head every day like we can take this away from you whenever we want like that's not if you actually care about your citizens you would never do that because you're putting them in a position to feel like in fight or flight mode yeah but I think I think you touched on it perfectly before when you said like, all right, the difference between five million and ten million to you is really it's minuscule. Um, easy for us to say in the position we're <laughs> in right now. But I I truly believe that. Like, I mean, once, with good money management, you could easily still have an amazing life. Yeah. So I think once we get to the point that we're all making enough money that we're not stressed out about money at all, then there's really not a huge difference on what you put on top of that. Like you said it yourself right now, yeah. like you don't necessarily have enough money to start a family right now. And people are like doing it off like half of what I'm making. So, so you know how stressful yeah. that is for them. So now, not that everyone needs to be a millionaire, but if we get everyone paid to the extent that they don't have to stress about just creating a lot of these issues, a would... basic life for themselves, the basic necessities of life plus not some happiness, live in a house with plus some happiness people, like, too, yeah. and being able to create a family. Like 
And that doesn't cost millions of dollars. So you could pay salaries that just take away all financial stress from all of your employees. How is that not the best investment you can make with your money as an organization? That's the first thing I would do. There's someone on LinkedIn. I think his name is Dan Price. I follow his account. You've heard of that? Absolutely. He's the CEO of a company. He was seeing all these things pre-pandemic, gave himself a 50% pay cut, gave every person, even though it wasn't a technical background, like 75K base salary with a 5K bonus and a 401K match. And it was all good numbers comparatively. And he said his company is doing better than it's ever done. He actually makes more money indirectly through the company value and all that stuff. And it's, it it seems like a no brainer to me, but obviously I'm missing something, you know, like I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. And I hate to just say it's greed. I I was going to bring that up before. Is it really greed or is it? Is there something else? Cause I don't necessarily see what else it is. I mean, if someone could sit me down and lay it out for me and there was facts in place, I guess I could understand like why the Transdime CEO needs to make $68 million while there are how many people in our organization who don't have enough to really have like stress-free lives. Everyone has financial struggles in our company, even the ones who are making pretty decent money. Yep. So why does our CEO, why does Especially the, being the, out on Long Island. Why does, does the C-suite of our company need to make so much money when so many people who are contributing to that success struggle financially and really the foundation for that and then come to work stressed out because of their finances when you could alleviate all of that so easily and maybe cut that 68 million dollar salary down to 40 40? can you live with 40 (laughs) and the rest of us don't have any financial stress whatsoever yeah what are we missing? Well, that, what that's am I what missing? I was thinking too. Like I, I brought up before when I start to think about not outside of me, because I know where I am right now, my problems are relatively limited. How, how do like, what are, what's everyone else coming to the table with every day at work? Like if I'm some days struggling with being able to be fully focused because I have some problems, what about when you have children, they, and you're fully responsible for them, you know? That seems scary. And, it, yeah. like and when you're having problems you. and you're worried about when you're going to pay this and you have these bills and you want to also take your family on a vacation and you're maybe getting some pressure from your wife for something because you want to make sure that's a relationship you want to keep your partner happy. And there's a lot of factors. And then you got to come into work and have someone yell at you because you didn't <laughs> fill out an Excel sheet properly. It's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like I just, I just want everyone to be more understanding. It's like... Yes, there are a small percentage of people that abuse the system, but it's almost like we've manufactured and adjusted our system to just handle those cases of people. That's a small percentage. Like most people want to be fulfilled to wake up every day and do a good job. But when there's all these other things weighing you down, the moment you wake up, you have all this shit on in your mind. It's hard to show up and do a good job. Like the fact that everyone can do that. I respect that out of everyone, honestly. Yeah, I feel like there there are some days where, like, I I think I'm like I have so much on my plate because I have work and school <laughs> and like want like I have to take care of a cat who like takes care of herself <laughs> for the most part, right? And like sometimes I'm like, oh my god, like I have so much to do today, and there are people that have so much more to do than I do. And they're like the average salary in the U.S. being like, like, yeah, like almost half of what like someone with a tech or I'm sorry, a 
STEM background can expect as a starting salary? Like, how, like how are these people living on off of that money? Yeah. Why? Then, I mean, they're not, they're, it, and that's like, why? Why is that the case? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly just it's disappointing because I don't know. <laughs> it's, we're a capitalist country, and we like preach all this stuff, but our country's in the most debt in the entire world. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't make any th- sense. The thing is like, if you try, I feel like if you try to make the argument that like, like there is a, an amount, like whatever amount it is that that is enough money for a single person to have. And like anything else they shouldn't have. It's like, you'll be labeled like a socialist or any, like any of these You're terms. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, I work hard. I could have, I reap the benefits. Right. It's like, what is all of that money going to do for you? Like, you you can never spend that much money. Yeah. No matter what you do, like, you could buy a house every day for the rest of your life and you won't spend a billion dollars yeah. or however many billions that some people have. Yeah. So it's like, what? Like, it, it's literally a race I, now. The thing is, which is like another layer to it, it's like every time there's a successful entrepreneur that like a Mark Zuckerberg or an Elon Musk. Granted, Elon Musk in the recent months has done a few things that I've, I've liked with the Starlink to, with Ukraine and he sold Tesla stock to, you know, prove that billionaires can pay taxes and all that kind of stuff. But it's almost like you see someone that's a part of our side, quote unquote, just slowly become what they hate. And, you know, I, I think it, I think it's probably it probably comes back to greed, really, okay. greed, exclusiveness. Like, like if, when you get a taste of what it feels like to have no limitations and complete freedom, like if you, you kind of become slightly unhinged because if you're a billionaire, you could do whatever you want, and you probably you won't get in trouble for it because you could, like, you could pay your way out of it. Yep. Like I, I'm watching a show right now. I'm, it's I don't think it's a new show, but it's called Billions, right? And it's about this guy, the owner of a hedge fund, and he's like always being prosecuted for like insider trading and everything. But he lives such a lavish life. He was like, I want to go to a concert, so he just like got on his personal jet with his friends, went up to like to to go watch whatever band it was live, and then go home in his jet at night. And it's like. That's that's cool. Like it, this is all fiction, right? It's a TV show, but it's like these. Some people actually live these. No, a lot lives. of people do. That's you. You know, I'm really into trading. Obviously, everyone on the podcast knows this. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about it all the time. But there are people that I follow on social media that two years ago were doing exactly what I'm doing, working a nine to five, and now they're taking private jets to Las Vegas for the weekend with their friends and spending like three hundred thousand dollars. It's just weird to see that transition, especially happening really fast and i feel like yeah i mean i want everyone to do whatever they want whatever's going to make them happy but if the source of your success in that income that's driving that is you taking advantage of other people and not giving them like the necessities that they need to live at least a basic life then i don't feel like anyone deserves it yeah but i also think we all need to take an honest assessment as to what makes a happy life like you well, say, the, these things, these so, billionaires can get on a jet and fly yeah. across the world at a moment's notice. And like, yeah, that's cool. 
Well, but like, are they you, truly no, have like, does that truly but I, I kind of take it from the perspective, like, maybe I'm not the one to say what someone deems fun or enjoyable to them, but yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, no, no, as no, like yeah. a personal exercise, we should, we all need to evaluate for ourselves what derives that happiness. Cause I could pretty much guarantee you talk to those millionaires at their most honest times, happy, yeah. they'll admit to you that that doesn't derive too much happiness yeah. for them. It, it's cool in the moment and then that's gone and they're seeking it more and more and more because they don't have it. So they're spending more and more and more, but it's really not generating a really satisfying life for them. And that's probably where that greed comes in. Well, it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm a billionaire and I'm still not happy. So I guess I need to be a multi-billionaire and then, but it's not, it's just to going in the wrong direction. Yeah. I also feel like it, like you said, it's a personal thing. Everyone needs to assess what is really going to make them happy. But we have so many external factors in society that paint this picture of what success and what happiness is. So you're constantly chasing what you think it is because people are telling you that. Mm. And then when you get there, like you said, it's not what what you think it would be. I feel like I started being happier on the day to day when I started waking up. I was literally just having a conversation with my girlfriend about this yesterday. When I wake up, I just ask myself, what do I want to do today? And what's going to get me closer to the goals that are going to make me happy? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I do. And I base my decisions around that. Of course, I can't do everything I want every day. Still need to get up and do my job. But I did what I could to get myself in a position where I was doing a job that I enjoyed. Yeah. And that as job is, is a step towards your yes. ultimate happiness. So I feel like that's something that we all need to do. And we need to stop, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to just fully think separated from everyone else, disregarding anyone else's opinions of you, because that's, I feel like a lot of people in our generation struggle with that. Like we base our own self-worth on what other people's words are when what other people are thinking and what they're projecting onto you is literally a projection of what they're feeling inside. So then you're going to base your worth on their projection of themselves technically. And then it's just a negative loop. And Ugh. no, it's just, <laughs> I have this conversation with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you agree with that? For sure. Like yeah. growing up in college, I feel like I was constantly just questioning or comparing myself to people like, I, I, These people are cool. Like, I need to be doing what they're doing. In reality, it's like now I look back and I don't really like doing anything that these people would like to do. <laughs> I feel like, um, like once once you start, like I don't know, COVID nineteen did this for me, right? Yeah. I I feel like I was more extroverted before COVID nineteen than I am now. Um, like growing up, I I like I grew up. My parents were immigrants, right? So they they were like. They sheltered me pretty heavily. So I was pretty introverted growing up. And then in college, I was kind of like, I had my blooming phase. So I was much way more extroverted. I wasn't like a social butterfly, but like I had my times. I had some late nights. I had some fun. And like, not that I don't enjoy that anymore, but being like spending time alone during COVID-19 or just at home or with like the people that I'm closest to made me realize that I'm I I find more happiness a lot of the time by staying inside and doing like things within my own home that don't cost me any money than going out and spending a fuck ton of money at a club or we, whatever it is. We both 
we talk about this, but it's such a common thing in our generation now. Every Friday, not it's just our generation. This is just happens when you're in your twenties. But every fr- Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes even a brunch on Sunday. Like everyone has something to do all the time. They're going to this concert. They're traveling here. They're going on vacation. And because that's also on social media with the comparing thing, you you're keep always up in your image. <laughs> so I feel like same thing with COVID. Before COVID. I genuinely used to be afraid to be alone because in college I was constantly around people. So then when I finally got a moment where I wasn't talking or with anyone, I was like, what do I do now? I don't really know how to, I would get uncomfortable and like somewhat anxious, but then being alone all the time during COVID, I realized that being alone is actually a lot better because I don't have to be around all this negative energy. It's just a toxic cycle. But so very well said, just what I was saying. It seems like you guys have done some some thought, like some introspection on this about like what truly uh, makes you happy. And uh, and it's not necessarily like what we're sold or what we're told in life. Like, oh, you buy this, you'll be happy. You do this, you'll be happy. You post this and and get a whole bunch of likes on social media. I feel like that exaggerates the problem that existed before. I don't want to say like it just came out of the woodworks, but it it only makes it worse. definitely amplified that. Those type of you know, human emotions always existed, but now like it, it's just amplified. I feel like before it was like whoever was in your town. Like I'm thinking about when, where I grew up. It was like everyone knew who you were in the same town. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it was like it, it was harder. Yeah. Now I got a thousand friends at the click of a finger. Like half these people live across the country. So now I, could, I get to compare myself to all these other people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I give you yeah. guys a lot of credit for having the perspective that you have in the world that you yeah. grew up in, because it's so different than what I'm used to and what I um, struggled with when I was your age. So, so to know that this world that you're navigating through right now uh, and for you guys to have the clearest perspective that you guys have. I mean, we have a perspective, but I can speak for myself, still struggle with these things is just I'm constantly reminding myself like don't let this bother you like it's really not that big of a deal like worry about yourself keep yeah. keep that tunnel vision on your goals but yeah the, the distraction is always there yeah but be proud of yourself for having that awareness you, at man. this age because uh, you know that's the first step and now I mean that's what life is just a constant constant growth constant learning so the fact that you guys are already starting that process now like you're way ahead of the game well, yeah I feel like uh, when you're younger you have no it's just funny because now that we're finally getting into the real adult stages, all the times my parents are like family friends or like my basketball coach would tell me, you got to wait, it's only going to get harder. And I was like, what do you mean? It's not going to be harder. Like, it's hard now. It's like, yo, in the future, I don't have homework. I yeah. Gonna- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh that, I actually, I like, thir- like, I truly believe that when I was in, when I was in high school or I was like, I actually thought my life was harder than my da- than my oh, yeah. dad's life because he got to come home and he didn't have to do homework and I had to do. Homework. And now I open my eyes in the morning and my heart starts beating really hard and I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> no, shit. Was it? You want to make any any more questions? Any closing remarks? I feel like that was a good. Uh... Fun session. Was there anything else you wanted to Yeah, say? no, no, I think we covered on a lot. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think we touched on some good topics. And uh, yeah, I'd love to come back and, and oh, dive yeah, into definitely. some more. Of course. Yeah, Thank you're you welcome. So much. And really appreciate it. You want to send us off? Sure. You know where to find us by now, but we'll repeat it anyway. At Black Box Podcast, no A in the Black on Instagram and Twitter. Black Box Podcast with an A in the Black on TikTok. You can email us if you would like for uh, whatever reason you would like to email us. <laughs> at 
blackboxsubmission at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, for listening, and see you next time. See ya.